Good morning, everybody. Uneducated economist here. So I got the man, Owen Benjamin, with us today. Good morning, Owen. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. I'm a big fan. Thank you. Thank you, man. So um, tell our viewers a little bit about yourself before we get started here. Kind of introduce yourself. Well, I uh, I was in Hollywood doing comedy for 16 years. I was, uh, you know, I was in the movie The House Bunny. You know, Sandler put me in like three or four movies. I was a uh, regular on TBS's Sullivan and Son, like a sitcom. I did, you know, Leno and Fallon and toured uh, with Vince Vaughn's Wild West show and all that stuff. So I had like a, a comedy career. And then, you know, around 2015, 16, comedy started changing dramatically. And I had a kid. And so I moved back east with uh, to be closer to my brother. And then, you know, comedy shifted so much that I had to start going independent because the things they were asking of comedians to not discuss or talk about uh, was a little wild. And so long story short, I got more into like homesteading and making my own stuff, like my own magazine, my own social media, because uh, I was frustrated. That's one reason I relate to your uh, stream. It's like, I can see that you went through periods of frustration and then got out of it. <laughs> and I was kind of like that too, where I was beating my head against the wall. Like, why won't other people change? Like, why won't, um, you know, like, why are people acting so crazy? And so I was like, well, who am I to tell these companies how to behave? Like, it's their terms. So I'm like, I have to make alternatives. So I started doing that. And, uh, and yeah, it's like, life's gotten really good. And, and I was, and I like how you've described how all the politics, all the insanity that we see, if you actually go farther and look at the federal reserve and the monetary policy, these storylines that were given that make no sense actually make a lot of sense. Like the special purpose vehicles and all that. I'm like, oh, they need a story to, to sell that. And so that's why so many of these things that have been so frustrating. I now understand it, that it's all about the financial markets. And if you read uh, the Federal Reserve papers and stuff, it's like, oh, life isn't just complete nonsense, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So so in your eyes, like what did we experience here going through um, the pandemic? Like, you know, a lot of people saw this sickness kind of coming through and, you know, needing to take care of like the elderly and everybody getting jabbed. But what was that cover up? Like, what was it that you see that they were trying to try and sell the story on as far as what we, what was actually taking place? Because I had my view too. And it's very much like what you were saying is to try, excuse me, is to try and sell those special purpose vehicles. If they didn't have it, the pandemic, that is, they would never have had the unusual and exigent circumstances is what they used in order to sell the special purpose vehicles. So tell, tell me like what you saw during that time. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I saw. And I won't hit on any topic that's off limits for like different platforms, but I saw a very similar thing in an event that happened 21 years ago, except that one was different. It was more like buy, 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 spend, 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 where it's like you have this big event and looking back, it seems very suspicious. <laughs> and it was like, it was all about expanding the economy. Like, don't let, uh, don't let these people win. We're American, buy, spend, spend. And the pandemic appeared to be the opposite, where it's like, get scared, stay home, don't buy anything. You know, it's almost like they had to shrink the economy and then create the, because I was with you, you know, I'm, I'm friends with some uh, really intelligent economists and they're always saying it's deflation that's the issue. Not, you know, you look mainstream and it's always inflation, inflation, inflation. I'm like, 
that's weird because booze isn't going up. Netflix isn't going up. Like all these control mechanisms aren't going up. It's all supply chain related, like gasoline or, you know, food and stuff like that. And so I don't, you know, I, I didn't partake in any of that stuff when it came to the pandemic. And at first I was, uh, you know, I was very rebellious. I was like, you know, calling people out. There was like, where's your mask? And I, I had all these funny one-liners for it. And I was like encouraging people to use these one-liners because I wouldn't wear one. I wouldn't do any of it. I'm like, this is all nonsense. And then I started thinking like, but if it's financial, I, it made me less angry that it was financial and it wasn't just completely insane. Like I was like, oh, they have to shrink the economy and I don't have a solution. Like I was with, you know, like the Ron Paul stuff, like, and the Fed, audit the Fed. And I, it sounds great, but I don't have a solution. You know, I, I don't know what to, like, I don't, it's what, you know, I've, I, my brother's a tree guy. And so I've done a lot of tree work and you don't strap into a branch you're cutting, you know, or you fall out of the tree. And so if I don't have, if they set up this elegant debt-based system that I, you know, morally am opposed to, but I don't have, like, okay, if I was to sit down with some of these bankers and they were really honest with me, they could, I could see them being like, yeah, it's definitely deceptive, but if we don't do this, like a billion people will starve. Like that this economy is, needs lies. And so that was a decent explanation for me. So I started just focusing on my family, my productivity, what I can create. And it's kind of like what you were talking about with the positivity stuff, where it's like, you know, where your where attention goes, energy flows. And I was just like, you know, I don't need to look at these divisive, you know, angry topics anymore. I'm just going to build stuff. And it's been really good. Awesome. Awesome. So like right now, so this is pretty much what happened was it's like, you know, the sickness came in and everybody pretty much followed the narrative that we have to take care of like the elderly, the the people, we got to follow the the rules or whatever it is, take our stimulus checks and no, don't go to work, don't pay our rent, you know, and there's this whole thing that we followed. But now things have shifted back, right? So we're trying to get back to normal, but things aren't going back to normal. Are yeah. they? Like yeah. things, things seem to really like, even I had this kind of idea that it was just like, okay, well, once the economy opens back up again, once the mandates fall away and they have all these restrictions that have limited the, the, flowing of like goods and services through the economy like it should once all that comes to an end then i i was under the assumption that we would find a somewhat return to normal obviously an elevated one but something that we would somewhat appear that we had once had but that's not even coming close to what we got like we still have rail issues and port issues and all kinds of stuff that doesn't seem to be going away and yet other things seem to be churning up as that's going on. So what do you see happening right now in the in the current economy or just the state of affairs? Well, I think it's all about individual people. Like we are the times. I was telling somebody, St. Augustine or somebody said that, you know, a thousand years ago or whatever, but where it's like uh, the, the key word with a lot of financial systems is the bank and trust. And trust isn't, it's like, it has two meanings. Like, you have to have a society with high trust, high work ethic, so it flows. And a lot of trust has been broken. Like a lot of people are just like, uh, what just happened? You know, and you're trying to go back to normal and you're like, wait a minute. So at any moment, we can just shut down everything. So now you don't want to do long-term investments. You don't want to invest in the future. It's kind of like, if you think you're moving every six months, you're not going to uh, plant fruit trees, you know? <laughs> like you have to have that stability and that trust 
in order to do like high productivity, high wealth society. And so when you're, when you're, the trust has been so fractured where people, you know, like all these people now, um, there's obviously side effects to a certain medical situation that they were pushing, you know, but you got a free donut if you take this medical situation and now people are dying and they're like, well, it was your fault for doing it. Like, I, I literally am seeing that in the news now where people are like, no one made you do it. And everybody's like, you threatened my job, you know? And so, and so there's, I think that's a major factor. I think the, the micro to the macro is a lot of people aren't uh, trusting the economy and they're starting to like be more corrupt. Like they're trying to get the free money or not pay the rent or not go to work. Because they're like, why not? You guys were just corrupt with me, you know? And I think that's what's really facing. I think it's a morality issue that we're facing. Yeah, it, um, you know, it, it really is. See, a lot of people were like, because I, I agree with you a lot on um, the way that people kind of reacted to the idea that they were threatened. I don't take being threatened well. Like, I, I, don't just, either. Like, I, I, no. I, I just don't. Like, somebody threatens me, and I'm just like, I, I just don't absorb that in a way that I got, like, I got to react with anger or something like that. I just, I just don't. Right. Um, so, when the idea that, you know, the jobs were going to be threatened from the vaccination and stuff like that, I, I immediately took on the idea that, well, it's not my place of business. I don't own this company. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I don't own the companies out there that are requiring this. Right. And I'm not required to work at these companies either. There is still other ways to make money out there. And if that's the case, then I'm going to go do that. And now companies are complaining about how they can't find employees. Well, there's a nice gig economy out there and there's a lot of other ways to make money. So I don't complain about the the businesses out there that want to put out these restrictions or these mandates on on their employees. That's that's the American way, right? I mean, they have the right to do this to their employees. Yeah. The employees don't have to work for those companies. And, and there is other ways to make money in this country. So as long as all those things exist, I guess that I'm cool with it because it was voluntary straight up. You did yeah, not yeah. have to do exactly. this, you know? And and if you take it with that sense, like, you know, then you don't have anybody have to put any responsibility on it. It's like, I don't have to work for you. Exactly. Right? That's the flip side. <laughs> That's the flip side. You know, and I'm the same way with you. It's like, it is, you know, people keep talking about free speech on Twitter and I've gotten to the point where I'm like, but that isn't what free speech means. It is a private platform. Like, cause I own a platform too. And we have a lot of censorship. I don't even like truth or talk on it. I don't, I don't like bickering. You know, I'm like the good, the true, the beautiful post stuff you're proud of uh, post. If you're looking for a job or someone's looking for employees post like your family and what makes you happy. But censorship is part of uh you know the rules of any platform but see that's the flip side is like once you get to that point where you're like they have a right to mandate this but i have a right to not work there or not be an enthusiastic employee and that's what they're now facing is that's the massive labor problem because it's like you know because it's also like a lack of enthusiasm where people are like yeah i, I did all that but now i'm like kind of resentful because I, I gave you a religious exemption. You didn't accept it. It turns out I was pretty accurate about it, but you know, it's your choice, but now it's my choice to like take all my sick days and not work overtime and not be there when you need me. Cause so much of the economy is about like dudes helping each other out where it's like, yeah, I'll pick you up at the airport. Yeah. It's like, but if you lie to me for the last six months, you can take an Uber, you know? <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of have a feeling that you're probably a lot like me is that your, your circle of close friends is probably pretty small, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's because that's the thing. We don't have to put our trust into anybody else but ourselves, right? You know, and we can trust ourselves and what it is that we are doing. Other people, we don't have to rely on their efforts. We don't have to rely on them performing into a certain task or something like that and disappointing us in the future because we just don't put that that into our into our realms. You know, it's just like we we're yeah. independent. Those people we do bring in, we trust them, right? And totally. and if they you know, and this is, I don't know about like you, but if I do end up, you know, having a trust issue that comes down, they break that trust. I mean, it's hurtful. Like, I mean, it's, it's painful. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the, what you're saying is, is totally true about like, even just the people behaving within themselves in the economy, they have to trust what it is that they expect from the future. And that's really what I kind of want to lead into now is just like, what do we expect coming from the future, considering the situation that we're in right now? Because it doesn't look bright when I think about like when I was young, I was ambitious about trying to get a job and earn money get a car, get an apartment, have like, you know, have a girlfriend, all the other things that, that you know, that what at, at the time seemed very important to me that doesn't really seem to be so important nowadays. And I'm thinking that's going to lead into some some changes. What do you see happening here? Oh, in the yeah, future? man. I mean. That was, my major in college was World War II tyrannical takeovers of governments. Like I literally went to the Czech Republic to study how this happens. And one of the major things that happens is when you have a generation that can't buy in, that's when people want to flip the tables because they're like, you didn't set me up with a life that I can be a part of society. So why not burn it down? And this isn't the first time this has happened. You know, when you're looking at uh, the Tsar Nicholas II situation, you know, with the communist takeover of Russia, it was a lot of similar stuff. It was like uh, horrible uh, how, how expensive housing was. You know, it's like uh, the media was just spewing garbage and, and people weren't, you know, there was a lot of like really weird uh, occult practices coming out, like the Rasputin situation, all this, and people not... Uh, trusting their monarchs, people. And so then they're like, okay, burn it. We'll just listen to crazy people. And uh, I can see that. And that's why I'm trying to encourage people to get very local and kind of like what you were talking about. You didn't want to leave Astoria because that's where your network was, where it's like, you know, family is, well, I always say family's wealth, money's debt. So like, don't sell out for money. Like it's all about your family and your tribe, because when these things start happening, we're going to, you know, people are worried that we're going to have some form of fascist, you know, goose stepping takeover. And I'm like, no, it's it's going to be chaos and despair. It's not going to be like ordered military. It's going to be like, what do you mean water? There's no water in the pipe. It's just going to be like chaos. And so if people can maintain an order locally and an order internally, they'll be in a good place. But yeah, I see uh I see a lot of problems coming down. I mean, it's like, it's just like chaos central now, you know? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I kind of see happening is, is I, the Federal Reserve, like they've, they've managed to get their better funds rate up to the higher level than I would think, like a higher level than I would have anticipated. Like I didn't think much above two and a half percent, but they seem to really be gung ho on it and they're going to move it up to, to the 5% and maybe even higher. Now, that's like their ammunition. And if they can get it there, then I think they're going to be able to tackle the next downturn 
in the economy, but they're not going to have something to fight it with other than the Fed funds rate to drop it. So it's going to need to have an excuse. Like the last time we had, prior to this one, we had this great financial crisis due to the housing market crash. And then this last, the, the recession that we just experienced with the pandemic was so short and, short and sweet that nobody even realized it happened. But now the next one, what is it that's going to take place, do you think? Like what kind of, like I have a feeling that it's going to be like a debt market crisis, something like the sovereign and corporate debt crisis thing. But what do you see happening? Like, what is the next crisis going to look like? Or what do you think is coming from? See, I don't I mean, that's a question for you, I think, because uh, I, I as far as the storyline goes, I don't think they can say what's really happening. So they're going to have to mask it behind war, pestilence, you know, whatever. <laughs> it, it, they have to find a scapegoat. I mean, it's like thousands of years old. There has to be a goat that's brought out into the village and slaughtered and all your sins are in the goat, you know? And so <laughs> it was just COVID before that. It's like, so you got war, you know, so maybe they try and go to war with Russia or maybe, um, but they can't just say what it is, which is exponential debt growth with now a deflationary labor shortage and a breakdown of societal cohesion. Like, like the, you know, the, the Fed can't just like tell the media to report on that. So I don't know what the story is going to be. I never would have guessed COVID, but if you look back at the last century, it's it's oddly it rhymes. Where you have World War One was basically the 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 war on false premises, which is like Iraq, Afghanistan. Then you have Spanish flu around the same time as COVID, and now we'll probably have what you say. You know how they're they have this this one round where they can drop interest rates and buy their time and then i don't know what 2029 we have a great depression like 1929 you know and then it's almost like there's the fact that the spanish flu is almost to the the year as it was in the 20th century uh is kind of fascinating and now you see that they have the same financial problems as they did in the 1920s and so i don't i don't know man i I, I would love to to know what's coming, but I didn't. I can't predict any of this stuff at this yeah. point. Yeah, because it, it really could come from war. It could come from. I mean, it could come from financial crisis. It, it could come from major natural disaster. You know, who knows where, yeah. where that next like you know, kicking comes from. Like you know, that kickoff. You know, how does it start? And yeah, it, I mean, you can only like theorize and hypothesize on what it is that's going to be coming into the future. Um, but it just seems like if there was a timeline, to me, it does look like the Fed funds rate lifting to 5% does give them the time. And with all the media talk and all the central bankers talking out there about central bank digital currencies, and yeah. I just think it's, if we had a major financial crisis where like a huge debt implosion, that would be like a perfect scenario for them to introduce a central bank digital currency especially if we had like some major food shortages like i think if we had food shortages the people would take whatever it is that they could do to Absolutely. try and get an apple man and if it's here take this central bank digital currency and start using it they'll be thank you very much for in introducing this you know and they won't even fight it yeah it's animal so, management you, you don't it's way easier to get animals to go to food than to scare them so it's right. gonna it's gonna appear like a solution and uh, yeah, that's and, and they're already doing it. I mean, the 12 major Fed banks in America are now using central bank digital currency like they're already doing it. They just rolled it out like two weeks ago. And so between the banks, they're using this 
system to make sure that it works before they, you know, they roll it out to the people. And so, yeah, because they do want a negative, they want negative interest rates and they want to program money. Like you can buy this, this, this with it and not this. And like, that's a, that's a wet dream of any social controller where it's like, we can, we can put programming, like almost like DNA code into money itself. And, and it's like, who gets it and what you're allowed to spend it on is based on your behavior. And so, um, you know, that sounds dystopian, but I also think that this world is in balance. So if they do that, something else will come like this always, you know, it'll create, it could create this like beautiful response to it as you know, the main central situation. Like I always look at the Amish. I'm like, they didn't buy into anything. Like they're still going, (laughs) you know, like you always have an option. It's kind of like with the, with the Vax thing, it's like for every time people are like, Oh, they made me do this. You know, the devil, the devil doesn't make you do anything. You know, the Amish are like, bro, we still have horses. Like we're churning butter with our hands. Like you never have to do it. It's all about comfort. So it's like, if you want the offer of comfort and ease at money transfer, well, that's the deal. And if you want to stay localized, you can use silver and gold and trade within 30 miles of your house. I mean, that's the deal. And so it's interesting. Like my fear really went down in a way once I realized that it's all offers. It's all like, here's an offer. Do you accept it or not? And so many people don't realize that they cannot accept it where they're like, no. And then they're like, okay. And then they just move on, you know? And so I think it's going to have dramatic effects on society, but I I'm excited to not, you know, I'll partake in a sense. Like, I don't think it's evil to use central bank digital currency, but like, if you get yourself reliant on it, then you're in a slave situation, you know? Exactly. And now that's where I think like you have really done your part to try and separate yourself from that requirement of absolutely needing it. I mean, you have a homestead going, I mean, you were talking about your animals earlier and it was very impressive, the list of animals that you're raising. And you're becoming self-sufficient for the most part, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. And the biggest one was getting out of debt. So it's like, I started buying. I was listening to your uh, stream yesterday with the uh, with the lumberjack realtor. He's he was great, but I got I got actually kind of lucky with with when I bought a condo in LA. So I got a condo in LA. It was like six fifty. I put down one thirty. You know, it was like an arm adjustable rate mortgage, which is terrifying, but I just, I didn't know it at the time. And I got out without any movement at all. And I made like a few hundred grand on it because it was like, you put down 150, I sold it for a million, pay capital gains. It's like an insane return. So then I got another condo, not, not as big of a return, but same type of thing. And then I got a house out here uh, or in Washington. And so I kept like moving up the chain a bit to where I could buy 10 acres of land in a barn without any debt. And so we live very, we, my whole family just lived in this one room that I'm in now. And, uh, but I realized debt was the, the button and the lever over me, like where it's like debt can make me do things like debt can make me be like, I have to be on the road doing comedy or else I can't pay the mortgage and I lose my house. And if I, I now have to agree to what these crazy people are saying, you know, I can't make fun of X, Y, Z. And I'm like, that's, I don't want to be like that. So I'm like, we have to really cut down. And so then, you know, things have been going well for us. And we sold a, a rental property I had back in New York and we used that to build our house. And so now we have a house in this without any debt. And so 
you know, there's downsides to that. I mean, I would have, I would have gotten a great rate if I got a mortgage or whatnot, but I was like gung ho about, about getting out of debt. Cause when I was first getting quote unquote canceled, and this happened to me years before a lot of other people, I realized that the only thing quote unquote, they can do, which isn't even a nefarious, I don't even care about who they is or anything anymore, but is they can take away privileges. Like you're not allowed on, you know, Twitter, you're not allowed to perform in this comedy club owned by this company because we don't like you, your views on things, you know, and that started getting nuts. It's like, I would rent out a theater and they'd cancel me. And I'm like, I already paid for it. I'm selling my own tickets. And they're like, uh, yeah, no, we don't want you here. I'm like, last week you had Chippendales dancers. Like I have no criminal record. Why? Cause you don't like a joke. Like this is nuts. And now the jokes, and I won't repeat them because it's probably on YouTube, but the jokes are now hacky. I mean, major comedians have now done the jokes that got me in so much quote unquote trouble because that was too many years ahead. It was during the PSYOP and now it's fine. Everybody does the jokes, you know? And so I was like, I told my wife, I'm like, okay, this is how they're going to do it. They're going to take away my ability to quote unquote, make money in their systems and they could potentially take away my ability to like buy food. I got a little paranoid. And so I was like, we need a greenhouse. We need goats. We need to get out of debt and we need to get our own networks. And so we did. We started something called the Bear Trail where listeners of mine would be like, you can perform in my barn. You can perform in my warehouse in downtown Portland. You know, you can perform here and there. And so then I realized the real nature of private, uh, of private in America, you have public, private, and then you have this weird combination with a lot of companies. And and it started going great. And then I started using the post office where people could just send me letters, send me silver, send me whatever. And I'm like, man, I'm like getting back into like founding father shit, you know? <laughs> and, so, mm -hmm. and so from there we started rebuilding. And then I realized that quote unquote, they don't come for you. They just don't let you play in their play box unless you play by their rules, which is fair. And it's a crazy thing to admit it's fair. And so now I'm a few years ahead because a lot of people are now waking up to this and they're really angry where they're like, I just got kicked off this for what? You know, like PayPal is now has a new policy where disinformation, they can just take $2,500 out of your account. And people are like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, you know, that's, that's I got to get my money out of PayPal. <laughs> no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's only if you're like directly challenging. And I, Here's the craziest thing. I didn't know I was challenging. I was like doing stand up like we always did stand up because comedy used to be like the Wild West. You think of something, you say it on stage, people laugh or they didn't. It was like pure truth. It was like fighting. Like, are you going to win or lose? And then around 2015, 16, there was a major shift in the comedy world where it's like, these are the topics you can't touch. And I'm like, you're telling me someone who won the Olympics is now a woman, you know, like that whole situation was what got me into a lot of hot water. Cause I'm like, that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I can't even bring it up. And they were like, no, I was repped at CAA. I was repped at all these big agencies. And they're like, yeah, no, that's hate now. And I'm like, wait, wait. So the dude on the Kardashians and they're just like, yeah, yeah, you can't touch that. I'm like, no, I, I, I have to as an artist, I have to make fun of that. And so that was uh, now, and now Chappelle and all these guys are totally doing it word for word. My jokes, like the joke that he got, you know, and uh, that he got all that press about, I did word for word four years before him, you know, 
yay the artist formerly known as kanye west just called that out on alex jones he's like yeah dave Chappelle's a hack he's doing owen benjamin jokes you know because i did it when it would like mattered when it was happening and then you like it's almost like um the special purpose vehicles it's like now you can make fun of covid now you can make fun of all this stuff but while it was happening it was like sacrilegious it's like no this this narrative has to be sold for this economic reason and now i'm starting to see that at the time i'm like you guys are just crazy i'm rebelling <laughs> and now and now i'm like oh to keep this whole ship floating this has to happen and i get it you know it's like ironing your apron at a at a restaurant like okay i see i see what you guys are doing now you know <laughs> you know and there was a reason why the king kept her a gesture around yeah you know? exactly yeah and, and that's it, it was it was for that exact reason to bring up what nobody else wanted to and to shine the light on it in such a way that people saw the obvious and humor is the easiest way to do that um but moving on since since then like the social capital thing talk about that a little bit like like even for like me myself i live in an area that i know a lot of people and like yeah. i have like a network here built and i wouldn't if i moved anywhere else it would be completely different for me so this is kind of moving into like almost a social score right like this is the type of behavior like where you get this community and you are able to function through it like and they can actually create a situation like say through the digital currencies or through other programs in which you can either participate or not participate it would be as if like here's your town but all of a sudden they could just take me and drop me in another town and all of a sudden it would be like i don't have any network or anything else going on right absolutely like kind of talk about that a little bit because i never really because i grew up in this town i never lived anywhere else i visited but I've never really lived anywhere else. And I can't imagine not having my network. Like I can't imagine living anywhere else. What would life be like? Well, yeah, that, that's the good news for a lot of people out there that feel they can't buy in. You know, they're like, you know, my baby boomer parents got a house for 17 grand. That's now worth 800 grand. Like, how do I even start at life? Social capital is almost, no, not even almost. It's more important than financial capital in a lot of ways, because um, you can trade, you can barter, you can know people if you're in a bad spot, you know, it's like everything becomes very cheap. Like I have a lot of social capital where I live now. And if it's like, yo, do you want a green, you, you want an extra chicken coop? You know, you, you, you trade me for this or that. And then it's like, you save a thousand dollars, you know, or it's like, uh, I'm digging a trench for a pipe. Uh, do you guys want to come over? I'll give you fried chicken. My wife will cook it versus eight laborers for 40 an hour that takes a year and a half to get, you know? And so social capital is a massive amount of uh, capital that anybody that's like a good guy can get. And so the future, the thing that they want is atomization. And that's where they want people that don't have that because that is power. And, and, and you know, the controllers of the system know that. That's why they want men without families because men with families uh, are usually more moral. They look for the to the future. They won't accept as much nonsense. That's why there's a real push for, you know, an immoral, an unmoral lifestyle. It's because you're just easier to control. It's basic like slave 101, you know. And so uh, the reason people go to college is to meet people. Because if you go like a Harvard, Princeton, Dartmouth education is no better than a state school, which is no better than you know YouTube videos. 
but you're in class with like a future judge or like a future senator. And that's pretty much the point of like, people wonder why people go to Harvard when you can look up all the courses online. It's, be, it's so that you can increase your social capital with people that will be running the country. And so that's a major factor that people should look into. And what you said about the jester is, is very true. And the fact that they killed their jester hurts them more than it hurts me way more because they're now blind as a bat. Well, you, know, you want that jester to be able to relieve the stress of the people. So now people like you, people like me, a lot of people we know are actually in a position of strength because the, the top of the pyramid are like, I mean, this is like pre-French revolution vibes where it's like the corruption, the lack of connection to people. They don't even know what they're talking about. Uh, well, at least on the political side, I think the banking elite is a little more savvy, but um, and so that world is so dependent. Like imagine living on the 40th floor in Manhattan in a giant building. You have supply chain breakdown there. You know, you have labor shortage there. You're, you're in a tomb. You're in a giant honeycomb of dead bodies. Like I'm not trying to sound dark, but it's like, that's why the whole meek shall inherit the earth thing is, is true. It's like, if you know how to live in reality with your own labor and your own resources, and you're not dependent on these massive Babylonian supply structures, when these things do happen, you'll be in a really good position because it's almost like the way the economy works is that scene from the Joker where each clown kills the clown before them. You ever see that movie, The Dark Knight? I, I, I did. And yeah, that was a very dark movie, right? Yeah, but you know how like each layer kills the last one? That's right. what's happening. So it's like the snake eating itself. So the people with privilege actually are going to be eaten by the layer above them, which will be eaten by the layer above them to avoid this, this like collapse happening. And so is there a layer that plans all this and wants to, you know, guide us through the needle to digital currency? Probably, but the layers we know, no, they're just like, they're just useful idiots that are just going to be eaten, I think, because I think mm -hmm. some real nasty economic stuff is coming. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. Getting out of debt was one of the biggest movements for you, right? It was the biggest changing in Huge. your life. Huge. Right? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, for me, I know that it was like, I totally started viewing the world completely differently after that. It was like a moment of change. Yeah. One of the other changes that I had gone through is I quit drinking. Yeah, huge. That was a huge thing too. But you know, it wasn't the same as giving up debt. Like giving up drinking and debt, like I kind of relate the two together, like debt and drugs are kind of the same thing. When the day I got out of debt, it was over. But the day I got out of drinking, the pain continued for a long time. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it's so true, man. It's like, because I'm from a town where everyone's drunk all the time. Like, there is no sober people. Yeah. Like, there's no sober people. Like, it's, I'm from a very, very blue collar. It's like, you start drinking in eighth grade, that's it. 
like the idea of a sober person didn't exist. And so when I was going through some struggles with like a new family, I had to consciously keep myself from reverting back to that lifestyle because it's like, you know, it's like you have a bad day. Yeah, you go to the bar. It's like quarter drafts tonight. You get hammered. You play darts. You fight a guy. You go home. It's like that. But see, that's like a holding pattern to keep men from uh, expanding. Like you don't get into gig economies. You don't become entrepreneurial. You don't buy saws, as you say, like beers or saws. You don't reinvest into your own capital. And so that's why uh, it's. I think it's really good to avoid that when you're going through uh, hard times, but the debt thing, it was a spiritual shift. It was like something completely changed. I had like no more resentment. It was like my resentment left because I was like, my wife had a lot of student debt and I paid it off. And I was like screaming at the sky, like I have bought her back from you. You know, I was like joking around, but <laughs> you don't own her anymore. Job of the hut. I felt like it was job of the hut had like princess lay on a chain and i was like that's my wife i'm buying her back and so uh and then i i got i i got rid of all my like a credit card i got rid of everything i'm like we are going to be and then it, it just felt incredible and i know you struggle with that with your mortgage but mortgage isn't bad you know it's like it, yeah. it's it's not the same as like credit card debt it's not the same as uh you know it's it's good to not have a mortgage but it's actually it's not the same thing it's like and I think real estate is so valuable that it's not really going anywhere. Yeah. And, and to be honest, like, because I had a foreclosure in my past, they made me put so much down payment and the house over the last year didn't follow the rest of the market and has actually gone up in value or Zillow estimate value anyway, whatever you can relate that to. But all that being said, it's still like, you know, the estimated value of it is way above what I owe on it. So like, I feel pretty comfortable right now being in the house and, and having the mortgage. Um, you know, it was just a tough thing to kind of get into because I had been so burned in the past and I was like, yeah. I was just wanting to so much be 100% in assets and no liabilities because it felt so good to be there. But um, to be honest with you, now that it's been a year, because it's like almost a year exactly now that I've been in the house, it feels good. It feels good to be there. The ha the family's really happy being out there. And, Great. you know, everything about it is just, is just doing really well. Um, you know, but I think like probably one of the biggest things that like you were saying about the debt and getting out of debt and kicking those bad habits and stuff is that the life that you once lived, I mean, you, you know, like if you were anything like me, I don't know about you, but like for me, I had like, you know, I didn't really like my job. I didn't really like my life condition. I didn't really like anything. And I just kept going every single day doing the exact same thing. And then one day I changed it. It was just like, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to crack the beers anymore. And life begins to change. And all of a sudden you realize that there's a power out there that you can just grab a hold of at any given time. If you yeah. can see it. It's like, it's almost, it's almost as if it's like a magical event, but it's not really magic. It's just, it's just really, it's just you doing it and being in changing the way you think and, and how you do about it. What was it for you? Like, what, what do you feel about that? Like, had do you ever had like a downtime in your life where you just realized that, you know, I'm going to change the way I live from now on. And then you felt this power. Oh yeah. I mean, I used to hate, I used to hate holidays. I'd always want to work on Christmas, Thanksgiving. I was like uh, really against all that stuff. I, w I wasn't into relationships. I always thought women were trying to capture me and, and hold me down. <laughs> and so I was, I was uh, 
for a big change for me was when I really started trusting my wife, like at the, you know, when we were first getting married and starting to be like, just really jump into that and not always have a foot out. And now I think for me that the big change was, uh, was with family where now I have like four kids in a Christmas tree and we like raise a, uh, a Thanksgiving Turkey. And, you know, we do all that stuff that I used to not like, I used to think it was like, lies <laughs> you know, i was like uh you know like fireworks i never liked fireworks i'm like this is the you know i'd make fun of it i'd be like fourth of july to celebrate the vets but all this stuff is triggering their ptsd you know i'm like all my vet friends are under a table right now because all these explosions but we're out here enjoying our you know i was like that guy I was kind of like uh i'd rain on people's parades like that and now i see the beauty in in like cultural rituals and you know, quaint stuff. And, and I was telling people, I'm like, we're in a free will realm. Winter's coming. You can either be outside naked or buy a fire with a family. Like it's your choice. Like this realm is free will. Like you have the will to do, to, to engage in it any way you want. Like the, the economic winter is coming. The social winter is coming. We can see the collapse all around us, but how you operate, like winter is now like one of my favorite seasons you know it's like it's harder with the animals but it's so like cozy and we prepared and so i think that's a major thing about it is it, it like despair it you know i was telling somebody i'm like despair is a sin like despair is like to accept despair or fear or sadness is your choice you don't have to feel that way and i think that was a major turning point for me as well where it's like despair and sadness aren't just things that happen it's your choice to allow it like you don't need to feel despair and so change your life any way you can to not feel that way like that that like that you're just a cog in a machine and everything's just going to shit it's like that's your choice you know you can also get out of that yeah um you know something that i heard uh from another youtuber that i follow you know it's kind of funny um I'm not really a big fan of the guy himself, but his message is just like, I is incredible. I'm really, I'm really happy with his message. It's Aaron Dowdy. I don't know if you've know. seen him out there. Anyway, he does, um, you know, he talks about having like that understanding of your, your energy being focused in yourself, you know, having magnetic energy and stuff like that. Anyway, um, I was just, I don't know how the hell I came across this channel, but I was following it and something that he said in that really struck with me and I see it a lot out there with people is wants, right? People have all these wants in their life and they really want it, like really want it bad. And a want is a need and a need is a negative energy. And that's one of the reasons why they don't have stuff in their life is because they want it so damn bad. And that's really where I think like, for me, things changed. I didn't like, I wanted to be a YouTuber. Like I had all kinds of different YouTube channels that I had tried starting, like even a homesteading one called Everyday Napa that um, that was a lot of fun. You know, I'd do some jokes and stuff like that on there. But it was after I quit drinking and I said, OK, I want to be a YouTuber. I'm going to put out a video every single day. Yeah. And that's and then things started changing. All of a sudden I became a YouTuber. Like, I mean, like I decided it before it happened and I changed my life to the point that I was like, okay. And I go back and I will look at those videos and I'm like kind of almost embarrassed by them. They're kind of like, you know, they're little lame videos that I was putting out and stuff, but that's the steps that I needed to do in order to become the YouTuber. And I committed to it back then. And I was no longer wanting to be a YouTuber. I was a YouTuber, you know? Yeah, and that's so what strange. for me happened, you know? Yeah, it was me with stand up. I just was like, I, I always loved comedy. 
And I was like, I'm, I'm going to do stand up. And it's like, that's one of the things that's so you have to have thick and thin skin at the same time, because you have to have thin skin to be able to resonate with people and what makes them laugh. And you have to be like extremely empathic, you know, to understand others like artistic, but at the same time, you have to have like this, like lizard skin where people can literally be like, get off the stage. And you just don't, you know, you're a comedian. And so, um, it was very similar with that with me. Like I was doing open mics and bars and, you know, all the, in like a bowling alley where people are still bowling and, and I was, you know, my friend wanted to move to LA and we're like, yeah, let's just do it. What else are we going to do? And so we just go there and we're like, yeah, we're just committed to this. And by 24, I was like on the show punks, you know, I was like punking people. I'm like, all my heroes started telling me how funny I was, you know, it's just like Adam Sandler, who I grew up with, it's like putting me in movies and, and that, and people think that it's lucky. They're like, oh, you're so lucky or something. I'm like, no, you don't put yourself in the position. You know, it's like, like how many people would stand there and be humiliated, you know, cause that's like such a big fear for people is to stand there and to say things to make people laugh. And if they don't laugh, you're just alone in front of drunk people. You know, it's the same with the YouTube thing with you. It's like, yeah, five views, eight views, two views, you know, but you keep doing it, just keep doing it. And then and you keep growing, you know, you have to have the thin and thick skin at the same time. You have to like be able to say like, what, what can I do better? What do people want to hear all this? But at the same time, you know, with these humiliating failures, it doesn't affect you. You just keep going. And so, you know, I, I can see a lot of similarities with that, with stand up versus YouTube. When I started getting into YouTube, I'd already had an audience. So, you know, I, I got up to like, you know, hundreds of thousands of views and and then they kicked me off because I was being a little too challenging, but you know, and now I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to realize that I was, uh, I didn't quite understand the world yet. It's, it's not my platform and I value YouTube. It's like YouTube's helps me with homesteading. I get to listen to learn about the fed. I listen to people I like. It's like, I, you know, following the rules isn't bad. It's like, you can always figure out a way around it. Like you can say, if you want to hear these jokes, you can go to BitChute, you know, and I, I didn't have to try and challenge YouTube. I mean, I don't regret it because I, I, I had to learn, you know, but um, I, I do understand a lot more about running a business because I'd never run a business. And now I run several businesses. So I'm like, yeah, people don't follow the rules. You know, they're not allowed in. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I realize that when I watch some YouTubers get their channels canceled or suspended and all this other stuff, and I'm like, man, that is just like, that would be so heartbreaking for me to not be able to engage with the audience whenever I wanted to, you know, but it's just like you said, it's their platform, it's their rules, it's, and YouTube has changed my life. Like, I have yeah, this yeah, huge yeah. appreciation for YouTube. I mean, if it wasn't for YouTube and and you know, the videos that I've been able to put out there and the connections that I've made with people, I definitely would not be where I'm at. So I have this huge appreciation for YouTube. Um, yeah. One of the things that I found my viewers say to me is just like, you don't get into the topics or whatever because you're being censored or stuff like that. And it was just like, yeah, maybe. Um, I might not get into as deep of it because I don't want to get challenged by YouTube to say, hey, we're going to suspend your channel or do something like that. But what I did find is that when I do cut to the edge of it, the comment section does start to fill up with the things that I probably should have said. And so I'm still getting that message out there in a way, right? You know, it's through yeah, the and it And does it even matter? You know, like so many of these things matter. that they want us to talk about, you know, like, why don't you dress this? Why don't you dress this? And it's like, 
in three years, are you even going to care? You know, it's like, it doesn't even matter. It's so many of the things, but for me, I was at a, as an artist, I, I, artists are pretty avant-garde when it comes to like tip of the spear type stuff. I'm like, this is happening now. This has to be made fun of. But if you're looking at it like a man or like a businessman or like, uh, like a commentator, it doesn't like, you don't, you don't have to address every issue and it, it can cause a lot of noise, you know? And you can also, there's also like interesting ways to get around it. Like you can say uh, the medical experiment, or you, you didn't have to say like, now you can say vaccine, but during the time I was listening to my pockets of the future is really good. I really like that guy. And he's just casually can get around stuff by just like, he'll say the event from 2001. The whole thing is you just can't say the words. And so basically that's almost like this understanding with YouTube where it's like, listen, I know you have your battles with advertisers and censorship and the app store and all that. So I'll get the message across, but I'll like not cross your lines. And, and there's actually like a, there's like an art to that. There's like an interesting dance and I'd be the exact opposite. I'm like, so what are the words I can't say? And then I would just say all of them. <laughs> like, like it, I would get obsessed with any of the, like what, Cause I'd see power and I'm like, there, there's power in nonsense censorship. I'm like, if that's the word you're not allowed to say, that's the one. Like, I'm like, I love that, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, like that's why I've, I've developed a, a friendship with the artist formerly known as Kanye West for that reason, because he's the same way. He's just like, man, that word's played out. This is the fun word, you know? And it's like, it's just like art. It's not, and then people freak out, but that's where the energy is. And if you look at, at a lot of the big artists over the years, that's, that's what it is. You, you say the stuff that people aren't allowed to say, or you like, and you show people that there really isn't that, the nightmare under their bed is a spook story. There's nothing even there. It's like not even anything. Like most of this stuff is all in people's heads. It's like these big fears. You know, I'm almost like a, like a cultural masseuse. It's like where the knot is, that's where you hit. And then you feel better. It's not like you're starting a movement. Like there is no movement. The movement, the only valid movement now is self-sufficiency. It's like, get off the, the, the tick, get off the dependency. And that's it. Everything else is all noise. <laughs> you know, like there's no political movement. It's, it's nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, one thing that I found like, cause I used to really be into politics, especially, um, during the Ron Paul era, like when he yeah. was running for president, I was I was full on, you know, Ron Paul fan. And um, when the Republican Party blackballed him, you know, it was, it was like they wouldn't let him speak at the conventions. You know, there was hardly any questions asked, the debates and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, anytime he would ever speak, the crowds would just scream like, you know, like you wouldn't believe. And I thought after that, it was just like, you know, if you don't give this guy a chance, if you don't give him more airtime and stuff like that, then it was obvious that, you know, you were trying to prevent him from from becoming president or getting more attention and stuff. And I just kind of lost my taste for it all. And I'm like, you know what? I'm done with you guys. Oh, and, uh, yeah. you know, and I, I just did. And that's really when I started uh, started focusing more onto the Federal Reserve and the things that were happening there. And man, when I gave up on politics and started following finance and the banking system and stuff, 
I realized that politicians really confuse the hell out of you when it comes to the economy. They all talk about how they can fix it or how it can be fixed or how it can be done. There's no fixing this no. thing. And so no. understanding it is the way you fix it. And they have no understanding whatsoever of it. If they think that they can fix it or if they can address the problem, you know, it's just like they, they really just don't have any clue. So I kind of gave up on that a long time ago. Um, but I don't know, like, when it comes to what to do for the future, what is it that, I mean, obviously you do some homesteading and planning. What would you suggest somebody like, you know, maybe they're, you know, in their mid twenties right now, they're, you know, single, got an apartment that they're living in. What do you think that they should uh, move towards? Like, what is it that's like one of the, uh, one of the things that they can start doing today to change their lives, to start moving forward? Well, think about what information or what service will help other people. You know, it's like, that's what drew me to your channel. That's what drew me to like recommending your channel to people. It's like, I was building a house wondering why the hell, you know, lumber got so expensive and you, and you helped explain that. And so if you take that and apply it to anything where it's like, um, like I started working at nine as a paper boy. And I was like, I really want to get these old people information. You know, they're lonely. I want to bring them the news. And then it was like, I really want to expand my route. I want to get more people on. And so I was like always Paperboy of the Year and stuff. I, I was very, uh, you know, like that since I was very young. And it's the same with comedy. It's like, I really want to make people laugh. I want to do the, I want to have them explode with laughter. Now it's like, I really want to give people the best streams I can and the best magazine I can, all that. So if you're young, that's what you should focus on. There isn't a one right answer. Like everyone doesn't have to be a farmer, you know, the best milk comes from the other guy's cow as they say you know it's like so just figure out how you can serve others like don't think about you know don't think about like if you focus it's good to focus on yourself but if you focus too much on like what you're facing like the hardships like how you can like wants what you're talking about like what you want like i want a wife i want a house i want what my parents had i want a cheap thing it's like it's not going to happen if you think you know how can I make this girl laugh? How can I make this girl have a better day? Then she's going to love you for that. Versus like, how can I make her my wife? It's the same with like, like if I wasn't doing comedy and live streaming and stuff, I would be plowing driveways. Like I've been paying this guy to plow my driveway and I've done the math. And I'm like, man, like the winner, you can make over a hundred bucks an hour just driving around, listening to podcasts. And then I started, I'm like, how much is a plow? I can get a network. I can just show up. I can do that. And then you're like, oh, there's a job right there. Like a job just emerged. There's, there, there's, there's a demand. There's demands all over the place. Like my brother, my brother is a tree guy and he'll just knock on a house and be like, and he cares. He genuinely cares. He's like, this tree looks like it could fall on your house. I'm a tree guy. This is how much I charge. And that's how he drums up business. And it's like, all he needs is a, a ground guy and a truck and a chainsaw and a rope and it's great money. And so I think for young people, the, the key is no one's going to do it for you, especially moving forward. There is no, you know, retirement watch and 401k and, you know, you can work at a factory and your wife can stay home with the kids and you don't have to move like that's over in America pretty much. But if you think, how can I serve my community? How can I, uh, you know, then, then the future's wide open. I mean, there's ne that's what I mean with the balance when it comes to central bank digital currency, there's gonna be something else. It's like, right now it's never been easier to start your own business from home. Like back in the day when I was growing up, you had to like 
rent a storefront and advertise in the newspaper and all this stuff. Now you just need a Wi-Fi connection and a, an idea. And so that's amazing, you know? And so there's more opportunities now than there ever has been. And there's more despair. So it's like, pick, pick the opportunity side. And I think probably the key, like what you were just saying there, the key thing that I clued in on is a couple of things you cared, right? You yeah. said something about you cared about getting the news to the old people so they had something to read, right? It wasn't like you cared about making the money so you could buy the bicycle. You cared about getting the papers to the people, right? You cared about making a video every single day. Your brother cared about the tree falling on the people's house. You like yeah, you actually yeah, yeah. cared about that. And this is really where I think like a lot of people miss it is that you really have to have like people say, well, I'm just a dishwasher will be the best damn dishwasher ever. Like exactly. be, be so impressive of a dishwasher that the that the the restaurant is just like, I can't believe it. Like this guy's a superpower, you know, exactly. when it comes to washing dishes. And that will change your life because that will start bleeding into the other things that will, you know, find your success then to the things that you really wanted. You know, that's really, I think, where the key to it is, is that you have to actually care about what it is that you're doing. And it's not just care about like, I want to make the money, but care about what it is that is happening, you know, like being engaged in that moment, be engaged with the people. You know? Oh yeah. It's great for sales too. It's like money's a byproduct of just crushing, you know, it's like, and there is no low job. Some of the richest guys I know are plumbers. <laughs> it's like, there's no low. It's like, whatever you're doing, do it really well. And then there's, there's that, that greatness will emerge. And then, capital is a byproduct you know i've always had oddly i've always had no problem making money because i've never i've never cared about i've never i've never had that want for money i've there's been moments when i've been like panicked because like i just got blackballed from the the comedy clubs and you know i have a baby like what am i going to do and then my brother's like do tree work with me you know and for some reason i've always been able to just make money you know, doing like weird shit. I mean, I used to be a heckler at a Renaissance festival where people paid money to throw tomatoes in my face. I'm like, I've made fun of people all day with a gypsy, just crushing it, you know? And so money, I've always felt that money is a byproduct of your passions. And if you, it's like, if you, if you try to grab it too much, it like floats away. It's, it's all about, if you, if you need it too bad, it's like a hot chick. It's like, if you like will do anything for her, she'll walk away. But if you're like just there, she'll notice you, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I mean, like I myself, like I have a day job. I have YouTube. I go call bingo on, on Sundays, <laughs> you know? Awesome. So like I, yeah, I mean, and I've been doing bingo calling for like 15 years or something like that. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that I will do, like, you know, just for little odd things for money and yeah, yeah. it's not about like how much it is it's just a matter of just kind of doing it and going for it and stuff like that um you know some of the people that i that i like um my buddy dale he tells something very similar he said when he was six years old he wanted a motorbike and his dad was like no way you're too young to have this motorbike and so he was just like started mowing lawns he said he could barely push this damn lawnmowers over on his neighbor's lawns and stuff like that but he mowed those lawns all summer long and then went down and bought his own bike and like his dad had nothing he couldn't stop him it was like well <laughs> shit it's his money and his stuff and and so since then you know i was like how many bikes have you owned in your life he was like oh 200 you know he was like going on about all the bikes he's ever owned 
But then his mentality, like he worked with me over at the lumberyard, but then he also has a welding business and he sells clam guns and he does like, you know, all I've heard you talk stuff. about this guy. Yeah, 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 that's cool. And so he's super impressive to me, like when I watch him, but he's, again, it's not a matter of like how much, it's just a matter of pursuing, you know, he was just like, no, I really like believe in my product and I like selling it, you know, and that's, that's it. It's not a matter of how much money he makes. It's just putting his product out there and see how many he can sell, you know? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, some of the richest guys I know, it's just their hobbies. Like Jay Leno, who was a uh, really good to me in my career, like really solid guy. He just loves cars. He's like obsessed with cars. And I wouldn't be surprised if that dude's made more money in cars, but he doesn't care. He's just like, well, you know, this car runs on steam. I know he just recently burned himself, but he just, he's, he's just obsessed with, he's obsessed with stand up. He's obsessed with cars and he doesn't care at all. Like it's the funniest setup. Like Vince Vaughn's like that too. He's just like, he just really likes, you know, what he likes and everything just falls into place. He was a, he's a big Ron Paul guy. He, uh, uh, obsessed with, uh, you know, the gold standard. He'd be like, baby, I'm telling you right now, the money's back by nothing. It's just flying around in the sky. You know, he's just like, when, we, when he would, when he oh, would always do these, he'd, he'd do these subtle things on stage. Cause we'd give away 500 bucks to an audience member. And he'd go, we got 500 non-gold back dollars here. You can have it. You can spend it on something for the time being. It's going to go to zero. And everybody's like, dude, you're so into finance. So then he got really into buying like farms and stuff. He's like, it's all about dirt and gold, baby, dirt and gold. And so um, guys like that I've always gravitated towards because they're just really into stuff. I just like people that are into stuff, but <laughs> they're not just like drones, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's what... Uh... And that's what I come to to the conclusion of is like, I was just like one of those drones, like, you know, for a long time until, you know, I decided that I'm going to change my life. And that's when, you know, when I committed to making a YouTube video every day, that's, that's what it did. Awesome. You know, just you, everything went from there. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me, man. Was there anything else you wanted to cover or bring out there for the viewers to hear about or? No, that's it. I just, I'm glad yeah, we I touched did. base because we have a lot of the same listeners and I always send people your way. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I've never had, like, I've had so many people, like, bring up your name. I was just like, dude, own, you know, he's constantly talking about you. Own Benjamin, own Benjamin. So many people are economically illiterate, and they're not, I know they're not going to listen to the Fed. So I'm like, this dude will explain that in a way that you'll understand. Because you speak in a way that culturally can penetrate people that are never going to listen to Jerome Powell, you know? And so because there's so much economic illiteracy. So it's like, they don't even know what money is. They don't know. And, and so the more people educate themselves to that, the, the better their life is gonna be. Cause think, cause like just having historical events make sense is a huge weight off people's shoulders where it's like, you know, lumber isn't gonna go to a million per thousand. Like this is what's happening. There's stumpage fees or blah, blah. And it's just, if people can see that the, the greater look at the system that it goes back to what we we're just talking about. Like I care about my listeners. So it's like, listen to this guy. If you want to understand, um, if you want to understand money and want to understand that, like, you don't have to live in fear all the time. Like this is why it's happening. Cause so much fear is caused by not understanding the why they're just like, things yeah. are happening to me. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, and I'm like, no, they're not happening to you. They're happening with you. You get to engage in it. And so, yeah, I'm glad we uh, had, you know, we had this and good times. If anybody wants to check out my streams, they're at uh, 
unauthorized.tv or, uh, you know, I'm on all the other ones like Telegram, Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, all that. If you just look up Owen Benjamin, or, um, you can check it all out. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. Cool. Cheers, bro. Cheers. Yeah, let's hook up again. Cool, man. Yeah, talk soon. Peace. Peace.